Welcome to Rhode Island's Amazing Women, the radio show and podcast that highlights women who make a difference in our communities. I'm host and creator of the show, Deb Ruggiero. Thanks for being here. We have a very vibrant arts community in Rhode Island. It contributes to the economic engine of our state, including workforce development. And we know the big players, PPAC, Rhode Island Philharmonic Orchestra, Trinity, but there are so many others, including River's Edge Arts in Woonsocket. My guest is Dr. Kristen Williams, the executive director since 2019. Prior to that, Kristen was the director of education at Dorcas International. She was a co-founder of American Culture and English Program at Miami University. She has degrees in theater, English, American studies from Rhode Island College, the University of Toronto, and the University of Maryland. So thank you, doctor, for uh, joining me today, Dr. Kristen Williams. Thank you so much for having me. And definitely let's just go with Kristen. <laughs> Kristen, okay. I just want to make sure I'm appropriate. So <laughs> Rivers Edge Art. So that's Rivers with a Z. Um it is tell me about why the Z and the mission. <laughs> I think mostly it's just so that I would have a hard time spelling the email uh, address for people, but um, because that's a lot of fun to do. But honestly, I think that in the 90s uh, and, and early 2000s, when they were coming up with that, the, the letters X and Z were pretty hip and that kind of made things edgy. So I think that's why that's why we did it. What's really troubling is that now uh, we're stuck with this name Rivers Edge Arts and we're not near a river anymore. Um, we're still near it, I guess. We're not on the edge of it like we were previously at the, at the Blackstone. Interesting. So tell us about the mission. So the mission of Rivers Edge Arts is really quite straightforward. We use arts and design as a strategy um, to run this social enterprise business, a small business that's located in Northern Rhode Island, where we employ teens ages 14 to 19, so that they earn uh, sort of transferable skills as well as their, their earning wages and sometimes educational credits, so that when they step away from Rivers Edge, they are actually ready to step into the working world or to go on to postgraduate work. Mm. You you see art, uh, according to your website, as a, a powerful force for social change. How so? Talk to us about that. So, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we feel really passionately about at Rivers Edge Arts is not only, of course, teaching youth about art as a strategy of self-expression, which is pretty traditional, uh, a pretty traditional approach to art, but we also want pe people to um, to come away from Rivers Edge knowing that you can use art to transform your community. Um, art can bring people together, certainly, again, through uh, expression and through working together on a project, but we do a lot of civic-facing projects at Rivers Edge. So we'll take on projects that, for example, work with the city to beautify one socket. We'll do murals. We'll do a lot of things like that. And the goal really of doing that is so that kids who aren't even eligible to vote can still have the ability to shape their communities. One of our big projects that we did recently was partnering with the Rhode Island Department of Health to do billboards. Again, our kids were not able to weigh in uh, via the ballot box, but they absolutely got to shape public opinion and discourse and discussion in one socket uh, and throughout Providence by having these billboards made that were their art. They were the, the first time that some of them had ever created graphic designs. And then there they were focused, you know, uh, put throughout the state for for people to see them so that was mm -hmm. that's one of the ways that we we try to do that we also try to do a lot of creative placemaking uh with the rhode island state council of the arts and other folks to really um get get communities healthy uh by having them get out get engaged go see things 
uh, spend money certainly, but do a lot of walking around and getting to know their neighbors. Mm -hmm. So the website is rivers, again with a Z, edgearts.org. How do you recruit these young teenagers and how do you tell them about the program so they can get involved? Well, we've been going for over 20 years now. We started in 2002, and believe it or not, we do a lot through word of mouth because we do pay youth, and they like that, and they like very much to work with their friends, and they like working with their hands, and they like working on fun projects. So we're not a tough sell. Uh, we do maintain a wait list, which always makes me sad because we'd like to serve every kid that's interested. Um, but generally speaking, we have most of our youth come from Northern Rhode Island, Boroughville, um, One Socket, about 90% of our youth will come from one socket at any given time, particularly one socket high school. But we recruit from neighboring high schools, private schools, charter schools. Um, we have we will accept anyone who can get here um, because we do need the youth to come to us as we have right. all of our tools and industry specific work uh, surfaces and, and equipment here. But we do have a youth that comes up right now from Cranston. So if they can get a ride here, they are certainly uh, more than welcome. We have no income restrictions or requirements anyone can come. We do happen to serve predominantly BIPOC youth because that is the majority of the youth in one socket, Rhode Island. Um, and about 70 to 75% of our youth at any one time do qualify for free or reduced lunch. So uh, generally speaking, we are working with high need populations who are traditionally underserved. But that said, we will take anybody that we think is going to benefit the community. And I can imagine you have a waiting list because you're offering paid work-based learning for these teenagers and what a great we opportunity. Do. Yeah. We do so what's the age um, of these students? A lot of programs. I'm sorry, the age of the students, teens, 14 to 19. Wow. So 14 to 19. Let's talk about the arts community and how do you contribute to the workforce development in the Rhode Island economy? People absolutely. forget that component, you know? Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of times people say, oh, you're an arts and culture organization. And I say, no, we use arts and culture as a strategy, but really what we're doing is workforce development. The most important things that youth are going to do when they come here is learn three sets of skills. They're going to learn professionalization skills, things like showing up on time, how to work with your peers in a productive way, particularly if you disagree. They're going to learn social emotional skills, which are going to support them in every area of life. But they're also going to learn industry standard art and design skills. Skills. Quite frankly, in terms of the economy in Rhode Island, that third piece is actually sometimes the least important. In my previous work um, in adult education at Dorcas International Institute, we frequently met with employers, just like I do now, and what they tell me is always the same thing. Please make sure that they have professionalization skills. Please make sure that they are facile with the trappings of a business environment, that they know how to conduct themselves, that they understand and how to um, see a project from start to finish, to think critically, to work independently. Our kids are learning all of that. And then when we throw in the industry-specific art and design piece, it does mean that we are turning out youth who can go right into internships or sometimes even paid positions or, again, future education, certainly, um, in high-demand fields. So when a kid comes here and they learn how to work on a CNC machine, they're going to be able to go to any small manufacturer in Rhode Island. And that's still a thriving industry. They're mm -hmm. going to be able to to construction, uh, to painting, to furniture making. So we're really excited about that. We have placed youth in internships. And when you talk about those professional skills, that's with any workforce development program, not just Absolutely. River's Edge Arts. I mean, it's, it's across the board, you know, and Absolutely. these kids are 14 to 18 years old. Um, do many of them go on to college or do they see this as an on-ramp to get into a business and actually continue the work? 
It's a mix. We've had a number of youth who, for example, were in the ROTC program at Woonsocket High School. Now that doesn't exist anymore, but when we did have that, um, that actually was something that uh, probably a handful in every given class that we would have each year would go on to do. So they would go on to careers in the military, but most of them will go on to, um, if not CCRI for that, the to, to get the, um, the two-year uh, free and then transfer, they will look into... Um, into other schools, sure, but some of them do go right on to professions. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people who are, are, are at River's Edge will look into the trades. We actually really encourage that. There's not a lot of student debt associated with it. You get right, right into a paid position, you get benefits, you're getting 25 to $30 an hour, and you can work right here in the Blackstone Valley, contributing to uh, the economy here. So we love that, but we will support mm -hmm. a kid in any of their plans. Hey, if you're just tuning in, thank you for listening. I'm Deb Ruggiero. Karen Kay is our producer, and my guest is Kristen Williams, the executive director of Rivers Edge Arts in Woonsocket. That's Rivers with a Z. Uh, let's talk about the social enterprise, which I know is cause-driven businesses for social good. It's a smart way to combine nonprofits and business. How do you do that at Rivers Edge Art? Sure. So we have two main ways of selling our art and, and earning income, which is very unusual for a nonprofit. Most nonprofits, they might sell their services or they might charge um, a certain amount for, for youth to participate in, our, in, in their activities. We do not. Ours are not only free, but of course we pay the youth. So how are we able to do that? And that's through the earned income. Two major sources of it. One, our client projects. So if you know you or, or someone that you knew said, hey, I really want a logo for my, my side business, or I really would like to create uh, some awards for uh, a gala that I'm having. You can come to River's Edge and we'll fabricate those things for you. Wow. So we do that. And we work for private clients all the time. We've done holiday gifts for, uh, for corporate, um, for, for corporate uh, corporations in the, in Northern Rhode Island. But we also uh, will take on, again, like I said, civic facing projects, which means grant funded projects through something like the Rhode Island DEM, the Department of Environmental Management, or the Rhode Island Department of Health. Sometimes we'll work with Thundermiths Health Center. We work with lots of different types of places including the city of Woonsocket, to go ahead and support our communities and do really cool community-facing projects. Mm -hmm. um, a mural that might be uh, collaboratively painted, um, something that is uh, to support urban the, the planting of urban trees in Woonsocket. When we did a project with the Rhode Island DEM and the city, they, um, the city has to cut down trees all the time when they're, when they're injured or old. We took the pieces of the tree that had been cut down, we turned them into small furniture and charcuterie boards and cutting boards and then we took the remnants of the tree and made a sculpture out of it. So it wasn't just an ugly tree hanging around. That's so really that's two cool. things, right? It's it's yeah. like trying to, to figure out how to support the environment, trying to support the community. How large is River's Edge Art, you know, and, and how many young people are actually doing some of these projects that you talk about? Yeah. So in each project, the projects are assigned usually to one studio, but we do have cross pollination between studios. We have four art studios that we run here and we like to keep the census pretty low. So we like to try to have it be 10 students or 10 youth to one professional instructor. So in each studio we'll have uh, of our four studios, we'll each have eight to 10 youth in those studios. So at any one time, we've got 40 youth that are on site um, due to job turnover difference in, you know, if they, if they take another 
another job or if they move, we'll serve about 60 to 100 youth in our on-site program, uh, the arts education and training program in any one year. But then we also do a summer camp with, with partners up here in Woonsocket and we'll work with little kids um, up to fifth grade and we'll serve about 100 of them every year. And then we also do uh, a mentoring program with middle school youth. So we do try, even though we focus predominantly on teenagers, we do try to make sure that we're supporting all the youth into on-ramps to careers. So all told, we'll see about three to 400 youth every year. And wow. that's if we don't take on additional work outside. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So what's your operating budget? You know, um, how, how, what is River's Edge Arts operating budget and how are you funded, Kristen? For the first 20 years, our operating budget hovered around four to $500,000 a year. But in the past four years, we have really grown. Mm -hmm. So we're up now around 800,000. I'd like us to crack a million. Uh, because mm -hmm. that makes us eligible for some different funding that's more national uh, in scope. But uh, generally speaking, the way that we are making our money to support this are it's through earned income. Um, we will make somewhere between eighty and one hundred thousand dollars every year just in the earned income, which is great. We try to keep our overhead low. We spend only about twenty to twenty five percent on administrative costs, and then we have corporate support. We have some state support, although that. That has been challenging in the past mm -hmm. few years. <laughs> and we have, uh, we've had in the past couple of years, uh, we've had ARPA support as well. So federal government support that came through the school department. But generally speaking, we don't try to rely on that. We know that that can be, you know, that can come and go. So we do try to rely on the earned income. Our donors are incredibly loyal. River's Edge Arts has year over year giving of more than 70% of our donors repeat. That's wow really unusual. So, so that's a substantial amount of your funding comes from uh, donors. Do you get any state funding at all for any programs? We do. We have governor's workforce uh, board funding through um, the Real Skills for Youth uh, program. So we do part we partner with uh, the Community Care Alliance, and uh, they are also focused on workforce development. So we'll work with youth uh, with for, for that. Um, but it's not a ton of money. We'd like mm -hmm. to see more. We'd love to see the state of Rhode Island start to earmark funds for after school and out of school time learning, which they do not currently do. Right. Well, as, as a former state rep for 14 years, I'm a big proponent of the arts. What does the state legislature need to do in the future to ensure that your programs stay alive um, and thrive, but also many other arts programs that are contributing okay. to the economic engine? Absolutely. We're certainly not the only ones. There are so many great programs throughout the state and all of them are saying the same thing. We just really need Rhode Island to join the ranks of the majority of other states across the nation um, in terms of earmarking funds specifically for after school and out of school time learning. Only then are we really going to be able to have great partnerships between the community based orgs, the the state, um, you know, state government structures and municipalities and of course the school districts so we definitely need that to happen we definitely need more money invested in youth workforce training we are not going to have a workforce in rhode island in 10 years unless we start our 14 and 15 year olds on the path of meaningful employment right. so that's really that's really significant and programs like ours are unique because obviously we're providing the wraparound services that you won't get if you're a 14 year old working at a corporation mm -hmm. not that that's wonderful if that's really where people want to go but that's just, they're not going to get a food pantry. They're not going to get free hygiene items. They're not going to get transportation home at night from the program. They're not going to get all these sorts of things, referrals for mental and physical wellness. We provide those kind of things. So it's really important that we stay in business and keep doing this kind of work. Um, the 
other thing I would say is that um, the Rhode Island State Council of the Arts did a wonderful program um, with some ARPA funds. They called it Building the Future. We were not the only recipients. The Steel Yard and um, a, a number of high schools even, career and tech programs, were all recipients of funds to do workforce training in the areas of art and design. And it was really successful. Um, and, and we didn't get renewed, unfortunately. We asked for, uh, I went to testify, I'm, I'm frequently going to testify <laughs> for funding issues. Um, and we just, but the program just didn't get renewed. And I understand that there are limitations. So, uh, and you can't fund everything, but we really do hope that we'll start to see more funding come through either for arts and, and design training or just for youth workforce training. Right. And also just the the aggregate of all of these arts organizations that are working with youth, that are providing employment opportunities and basically grooming the future workers. You know, you've got, you said, over 300 kids coming through a year. That's a lot. And a lot of the work, from what I hear you saying, Kristen, is, you know, you're working with low income urban kids. It's done after school. Um, put a face on it for us. What are some examples of how River's Edge Arts has turned some lives around? Oh, I love doing this part. Um, we've had uh, a couple of youth come through in the past few years that really were just uh, really great, great stories. One, I'm going to tell you, uh, the, the person has actually left us and she has gone to college. And where has she gone to college? She has gone to the historically uh, Black university. Uh, university uh, that she really wanted to go to. Um, and she she uh, was really excited uh, to do that. She would like to be a future lawyer and a Supreme Court justice. She is the first generation American in her family, um, a black woman, uh, very, very proud to be um, a family that uh, is from Haiti. And she was able to, to come here to work for wages, to get a really supportive environment. We did a lot of work with her, finding scholarships, doing uh, crowdsourcing, sourcing for her education. And uh, we couldn't be more proud of her. In fact, we left her her sign off when she left on her last day. We left that on the board uh, for all that uh, the inspiration. Another youth that we had was a youth that was kind of very different, didn't have um, a whole lot of great academic achievements behind him. Um, in fact, we were hearing from guidance counselors that uh, he really couldn't focus, wasn't doing very well, big disciplinary problem, etc. But when he came to our program, we said, well, what are your goals? And he said, well, I want to play football. And we're like, okay, Hey, well, to play football, you got to have a C average, and to work here, you have to see have a C average. So that works out nicely. Let's figure out how to do it. Um, so we talked a lot with his guidance counselor, and we put him in our screen printing program, and he did really, really well. He had no trouble focusing, doing applied learning, using his hands. Uh, so he could work independently uh, really well with that. And then we um, we told his guidance counselor this, and they said, "Hmm, I wonder if it's just a sensory problem." So they put him in a special program where he did not have class with uh, a lot of the same noises a lot of the same people moving around and oh, he actually started to do really well and he got mm -hmm. on the, uh, the the football team and is is now not uh not getting to meet with the uh police regularly which is great <laughs> that's an important part with the young it people really is yes so when you talk let's talk about the programs because when you think of river's edge arts you kind of think of okay painting and sculpting but you're talking about things like cnc and screen printing and and these are skills and I guess they are art, but they're also workforce development and employment for the future. Absolutely. Um, I went around and met a bunch of employers um, a couple of years ago uh, as part of our development of like, what should we be doing? What should we be doing next? Are we still relevant? Should we be adding new studios? We always want to stay relevant. So I went to visit employers in the Blackstone Valley, especially because that is where a lot of our kids are. And we want to make sure that they have jobs they can get to. 
Um, and they were telling me the same things. Uh, they all wanted those professionalization skills, the, the quote unquote soft skills. Um, but they also walked me around uh, their work environments. One of the things that was really important to me is that I be able to see the actual work floor. Um, where were they, what, what were the kids gonna actually be experiencing? Who were they gonna be working with? Were they great, were they good hours? Was the environment clean? Was it safe? Um, and so what I found was there are some really amazing employers up here, and many of them are small manufacturing, some are in construction. There are a lot of a lot of opportunities that are available to kids if they learn some basic skills, the the normal sort of, like I said, soft skills and professionalization, resume writing, that sort of a thing, cover letter, but mostly they need to learn how to talk to people. They need to learn how to talk to employers, present themselves as folks to be taken seriously because they take themselves seriously. Um, they need to be able to um, have facility knowing that they can learn. The biggest thing we try to teach kids is you can learn anything. And That's once right. they have that sense of competence, they really do get a confidence boost. And then it makes them so much more easy to teach because they have confidence that they're going to be able to get it. So with CNC, that's just one more trick in their bag um, that shows they specifically have a set of skills that are in demand, but it really shows um, that they can learn. They can learn on the job. And you're right. Those professional skills of just being able to communicate, to be able to, you know, write effectively too, and be part of business is so critical. I teach business communication at Salvia and we see it everywhere. And that's what employers are looking for, those kinds of soft skills. If you're just tuning in, thanks for joining us. I'm Deborah Giro. My guest is Kristen Williams, the Executive Director of Rivers Edge Arts in Woonsocket. Let's talk about you for a minute. You know, uh, you, you you became the Executive Director back, what, 2019, just before the pandemic. So what inspired you to take this on? Oh, it's been a winding road, but it's it's been a, a one that fit quite well. So um, I actually grew up in Warwick, Rhode Island. I had some programs that I went to uh, in Providence and where I was uh, growing up, but I was predominantly working in performing arts. I was a writer and a director. And after college, I started a theater company with my sister and a lighting designer friend of ours. And we did that for a little while and I liked it a lot, but I also got frustrated with theater. Um, it be, you know, it had an impact, but not exactly all of the policy impact that I wanted to have. And I'm very passionate, obviously, about education. Right. So I went back to school. I did get a PhD. I loved teaching college. I taught international populations. Those kids are amazing. They work so hard. Yeah. And um, I've always wanted to work predominantly with, uh, in that case, it was uh, college freshmen, but basically anyone who is in high school or just making that turn to college because it's such a vulnerable age, but it's also really promising. They have so much energy and passion. Um, and so when I was doing my dissertation about economic renewal in Rhode Island, I ran across River's Edge. That was back in 2008. Um, I learned about uh, the impact that it was having on the community. And so when I left Dorcas and was looking to work with a younger population rather than adults, this job opened up and I thought, oh my goodness, that is absolute serendipity because I literally wrote about this in my dissertation. So I was like, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, and they interviewed me and they said that the reason that they finally decided uh, to hire me as opposed to other really good candidates was because I have a genuine love for Winsocket. Um, I grew up coming to Winsocket a lot when I was a kid uh, because I was involved in the punk community and a bunch of my friends lived in Winsocket. So it was really fun. <laughs> it was fun to be going back to Winsocket High School as an adult yeah, and be like, wow, last time I was here, I was like 17. <laughs> so you can relate too to a lot of the young kids who were there before you. And absolutely, very, very cool. So who were some of your mentors? 
Oh, wow. Well, I would definitely have to call out one of our board members, actually, Jessica Barry, who is in development. She works at United Way, but she and I work together at Dorcas International. And um, she just, I mean, she's not even really that much older than me and she's super cool and hip. Uh, Jess, if you're listening, <laughs> but um, she just really taught me how to navigate the nonprofit structure in Rhode Island with grace and aplomb. She is energetic and smart and she doesn't hide either of those things but she always uses it in someone else's best interest so I would definitely name her um, but I also think um, Stephen Brown at the ACLU was my boss when I was um, just a just a wee one just out of college he had a small group um, of really committed folks running that organization and whether you like them or you don't like them or you like their work or you don't like their work the fact is that man has been doing that job for well over 20 years he oh keeps yes down and he just commits to it. So I'm, I now know I'm like, something might take you 10 years. That doesn't mean it's not worth doing. <laughs> I had lots of experience with Steve at the state house and you're right. Very, very committed. So in, in, you know, 30 seconds, tell us what, where do you want to see river's edge arts go say in the next five years? It's actually fun that you asked that because we've just defined that for our, our staff. Our staff and our board came together to write uh, that information. So what we want to do, we would like to see us serving more kids. We would like specifically to be serving 18 to 21 year olds because that is a really tender age where you're trying to, uh, to, to do some pretty important uh, life changes. We'd like to have some supports for them. We'd like to see ourselves perhaps in a new building that is still in one socket. We definitely love our town, but we would like to have more space so that again, we can accommodate more kids and multiple programs. We would also like to make sure that we are serving youth of, of all um, of all stripes in one socket, specifically um, branching out to do a lot more translation and interpretation for multilingual learners and um, working with our partners at the Grodin Center to serve youth and young adults with autism. So we really wanna make sure that we're getting out to everyone who possibly wants us and doing what we really do well. And with that kind of energy and passion, I know you'll go from 300 kids a year to well over that and, and hit your goals. And I think it's smart to go after the 18, 21-year-olds too, not just 14 to 18. That's great. Kristen Williams, the Executive Director of River Edge Arts in Woonsocket. That's River's Edge with a Z. Thank you so much for joining us. I end uh, each show with a quote, and this one comes from educator, activist, and minister Mary Lou Cook. Creativity is inventing, experimenting, growing, taking risks, breaking rules, making mistakes, and most of all, having fun. Thank you for joining us so much. Have fun every day. That's our show. I'm Deborah Giro. You can listen to the podcast anytime on your favorite streaming devices and also the website, amazingwomenri.com. Stay well.